We love to explain quantum physics and the mysteries of the universe, but the mysteries of finance, not so much. Intuit helps you demystify your finances through products from Intuit like TurboTax, Credit Karma, QuickBooks, and MailChimp. Understanding standard deductions or interest rates can be very complicated and tricky with big potential consequences. Intuit is the financial platform that helps everyday people prosper. Intuit has helped 100 million people live their best financial lives. Visit Intuit.com, I-N-T-U-I-T.com to start living yours. Let's get into it. What's up? This your boy, Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement yet remind folks to never forget to laugh every tuesday listen to conversation with unk hosted by lil duval on the black effect podcast network iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcast presented by at&t connecting changes everything hey everyone this is jody sweeten from the podcast how rude tanneritos I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So sometimes when I look around me, I'm amazed at how many tech devices I have in my life. I mean, of course, I have a laptop, I have a telephone, you know, I have a TV, this kind of stuff. But just all around me in my kitchen is a bunch of stuff that my grandparents and their grandparents wouldn't even recognize. Your grandparents didn't have the George Foreman grill? What do you mean? <laughs> That's right, the panini maker. I mean, it's a fundamental element of human society now. How did people live so long without paninis? Where I mean, would we be without paninis? It's baffling to me. It's baffling. Um, you know, I just feel like so many elements of my life rely on inventions that have appeared fairly recently, which means that my life is completely different from the life of my grandparents and their grandparents. Yeah. I guess one, maybe one way to think about it is look around you and think which technology, if it was, wasn't there would make my life totally different. Yeah, and I think the most important invention might not be something that you notice when you just look around you. It might not be something that throws itself in your face every single day of yeah. your life. It could be something you use every day and not even think about it. Are you talking about the toilet? <laughs> Maybe I'm using it right now. <laughs> <laughs> Please, this podcast, <laughs> out of the studio and into the toilet. This is our podcast, the greatest invention in the universe. The podcast <laughs> it's called, called Daniel and Jorge Invent the Universe. <laughs> Invent a new title for the podcast <laughs> on the spot. Uh, no, the podcast is called That's Daniel right. and Jorge Explain the Universe. 
in which we take everything in the universe and we explain to you how it was invented or discovered or at least understood in a yeah. way that you can possibly understand it and explain it to somebody else. And then you can tell them about the awesome podcast you heard it on. And maybe using this knowledge, you can go out there and invent new things. That's right. And give us 1% of all your royalties. <laughs> That's right. By listening, you are implicitly signing a contract. <laughs> That's right. We need terms and conditions on this podcast, yeah. So welcome to our podcast, everyone. And the topic today is... What is the most important invention in human history? Yeah, of all the things that have been invented to make life easier, more fun, maybe more violent, what do you think is the one invention that has had the most impact on human civilization or the human condition? That's right. And you might be tempted to think about something which is very immediate, like, well, I use my phone every day. Mm -hmm. And so the iPhone is a very impactful invention. But think a little deeper. I mean, think about the thing which, if we didn't have it, would change human history. And so I think that's, I'm tipping my hand here, that's my definition for what's the most important invention, is the invention with, um, without which human history would be markedly different. And I love thinking about the way that history could have been different. Yeah, I mean, let's talk about that. When you say, what's the most important invention, what do you mean? And so for you, it's about changing history, like uh, the invention that marked the point in time at which humanity could have gone left or right. Exactly. And some of these inventions, they really come from like moments of inspiration or, or, or you know, just um, <clears throat> uh, accidents. You know, somebody accidentally invents something in the lab. They're trying to make a better peanut butter sandwich, but they actually invent a, a laser gun or something, right? Mm -hmm. And this kind of thing happens all the time and it changes the course of human history. And so I wonder sometimes, like, if that person had been sick that day or gotten a car accident or decided to become an artist instead of an engineer, how yeah. human history could have been different. And so there are these moments, these pivot points in history where I feel like if things hadn't gotten a certain way, the whole future could have been dramatically different. And inventions are one of those. And so I like to think about if you had deleted one person from history or mm. distracted them in the right moment, things could have been very different. Yeah, like talk about a butterfly effect. Like if a butterfly had flown in front of Einstein just as he was about to come up with, you know, the idea of relativity or quantum physics, he could have been distracted and not come up with it. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. And there's there's lots of real examples. You know, for example, Isaac Newton, genius in human history, right? Changed the way we think, invented lots of important stuff, physics, gravity, calculus, all this stuff. He, his family was uh, sheep herders, right? And the only reason he actually got an education was because his father died and his mother remarried somebody who insisted he go and get an education, maybe wow. just to get young Isaac out of the house, right? And so if Isaac hadn't been sent to school, he never would have become this staggering genius in human history. Yeah, or even more sort of crazy is supposedly he came up with the idea of universal gravitation when the, and an apple hit him, hit him right? <laughs> right? I think that's probably 99.99% .99 mythology. <laughs> but, let, but let's go with let's it. Let's go say with it. that's true. Yeah, but, yeah. but you know, what would have happened if instead of an apple it had been an orange? You know, we could have had a totally different <laughs> science. We cut the, the theory of universal juice instead, right? <laughs> yeah. Orange, you glad it was an apple. <laughs> <laughs> Who invented the first pun anyway? Somebody's got to get credit for that one. Yeah. That definitely no, that, changed I think that is the most important. And for the worst. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm not an expert in history of technology, and I'm guessing that, um, Jorge, you are not either. And so for this particular topic, we decided to reach out to somebody we know who is an expert who has thought really deeply about these topics. 
So this is a good friend of mine. Uh, his name is Ryan North. So Ryan, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Uh, great. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, my name is Ryan North. I um, write a webcomic called Dinosaur Comics. I've been doing that for 15 years. And on top of that, I do uh, nonfiction writing. I write The Unbeatable Squirrel Girl for Marvel Comics. And my new book is called How to Embed Everything, A Survival Guide for the Stranded Time Traveler. And it's proceeds from the premise that if you are in the future, you've rented a time machine, you go back in time and your time machine breaks. Uh, here's how you fix things. Here's how you rebuild civilization from scratch in any time period in Earth's history. So it's sort of a nonfiction book with a fictional candy coating on the outside, which is the time travel part of it. I get to call it my, my nonfiction time travel book, which I'm very happy about. <laughs> yeah. And was it inspired because you met a stranded time traveler and thought, how am I going to help this person? I have no comment on that. <laughs> you <laughs> Are you yes. the time traveler? Totally a yes. I always thought of you as a man from the future, Ryan. So is that true? Maybe maybe that's your secret. This is your way of disclosing it to the world. <laughs> uh, I, again, I don't want to confirm or deny anything. you got to keep some mystery, right? Keep, keep them guessing. I was really interested in the book because it reminded me of when I was a kid, I was totally enamored by that game, uh, Civilization, which I'm yes. guessing you also played, right? Yeah. And in Civilization, for those of you who haven't played, you have to basically reinvent Civilization and you have to do it in order. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was the first education where somebody had taken out, down a lot of humanity's um, breakthroughs you know, and said, well, what would you need to reinvent um, the combustion engine? Well, you need this and for that you need this and for that you need this all the way back to numbers and writing and this kind of stuff. So it was really fun um, to see this sort of detailed breakdown. And what made me think about like, which are the inventions in human history that most catalyzed technological progress or which most changed the future? So that's what we wanted to sort of focus on in today's podcast episode is this sort of broader question. What is the most important invention in human history? And before we talk to you about it, since obviously you've thought deeply about this to write your book, mm. we went and asked um, a bunch of people on the street who hadn't had a chance to think about it at all and asked them what they thought was the most important invention in human in history just from the top of their heads. Here's what they had to say. Fire. Fire. If I call the wheel an the invention, wheel. I would say that. All right. Yeah. Thanks. Light bulb? Light bulb. No, the wheel. The wheel. The wheel. The concept of evolution. Is that what you happen to be studying right now? Yeah. <laughs> I was surprised how often fire showed up. Yeah, fire, fire was a popular one. Fire and the wheel, yeah. So that, that surprised you? How come? Yeah, um... And I, I can see why they went for fire, but I feel like it, it kind of dodges the question a little bit because it's a pre-human invention, yeah. Wow. So fire predates humanity. Like Homo erectus was using, human, was using fire, and they're not us. I mean, they're humans, they're homo, but they're not homo sapiens. They're not. So wait, we, we, can't, we can't claim credit for fire. <laughs> we can't claim credit. Homo sapiens did not invent fire. They might have stolen it wow. or reinvented it, but they didn't first invent it. It was homo erectus. I think you've just undermined like a core tenet in the belief a lot of people have about their own species. You know, yeah. like a lot of people went to fire. It's like this is a defining thing about humanity. This was makes us who we are. We're this proud is what of makes this. us human. Like, yeah, you just decued it from the list. Wow, that's pretty tough, man. <laughs> okay, so we we eliminate fire then from the, the list of important inventions because we didn't invent it. Yeah. Wow. Oh. So yeah, so people said fire. They also tend to go with for the wheel, right? The wheel's a pretty common one. Yeah. Um, the wheel's the also other, embarrassing though. The wheel is embarrassing. Why is that? Well, we had the wheel for um, thousands and thousands of years, but we used it uh, for pottery on the side as a pottery wheel. So it's again like if you want for transportation, it took us thousands of years to flip it over on its side. And that's what we think when we think about the wheel. We think about movement, transportation. 
but we use it to make pottery for a really long time. No, is that right. true? Yes. Yes, the wheel for transport comes well after the wheel for pottery. Nobody thought to put it on the side. I want to talk about that some more, but first, let's take a quick break. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left, look to your right, it's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusion supply. The financial universe out there can seem like a vast place, full of scary mysteries and exciting possibilities. But it can also be overwhelming to navigate, especially when you're first starting out in life. It feels sometimes like just one wrong turn could send you hurtling endlessly towards a financial black hole. But don't worry, you don't have to navigate the financial universe on your own. With the right tools, you can master the financial universe and chart your course with confidence. Intuit helps you navigate the financial universe through products from Intuit like TurboTax, Credit Karma, QuickBooks, and MailChimp. Intuit is the financial platform that helps everyday people prosper. Whether you're trying to manage your money or trying to run a business, Intuit gives you the confidence to take control of your finances so you can live your best life. Intuit has helped a hundred million people live their best financial lives. Visit Intuit.com, I-N-T-U-I-T.com to start living yours. Let's get into it. Reboot your credit card with Apple Card, the only credit card designed for iPhone. It gives you up to 3% daily cash back on every purchase. Plus, Apple Card has no fees, not even hidden ones. Apply for Apple Card now in the Wallet app on iPhone. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Variable APRs for Apple Card range from 19.24% to 29.49% based on creditworthiness. Rates as of February 1st, 2024. Terms and more at AppleCard.com. So this is something you come back to a lot in the book, is that you say, we had everything we needed, and if you just knew what to do, you could skip a thousand years or a hundred thousand years, you could accomplish something in an afternoon, right? Yeah. And I get that. That's like a really fun fantasy to imagine fast-forwarding human progress. But I wonder sometimes how true that is. Like, let's take the question of language, right? Mm -hmm. In your book, you you lay down language as like a pretty critical cornerstone of of human technology. And I completely agree. But um, do you think that going back like 50,000 years to skeletally identical humans, that if you went back that you could teach English, for example, to a group of two-year-old, you know, modern humans from 50,000 years ago, and that they would learn it and develop and and, and turn into, you know, English speakers? I do. And the reason, uh, sort of out of that loophole there, is that you said two-year-olds, which is great, because um, it's very hard, maybe impossible, for humans to learn a language after puberty. 
Uh, it's also really unethical to test, to run experiments on it. But <laughs> in cases of feral children, uh, people spend their lives trying to teach them to talk and maybe they learn it a little bit, but they're never communicative. They don't really use it. And so if you're traveling back, you know, 100,000 years, 50,000 years, and you want to start rebuilding civilization, I would recommend don't necessarily chat up the cave men, the cave women, but maybe talk to their kids. <laughs> maybe steal some babies if you're going to do it that way. So you're on, going on record for baby stealing right here. Um, I don't want to go on record for fully endorsing baby stealing, but in terms of just pure <laughs> efficiency of civilization building, directing your efforts towards the cave babies will get you much better results. And uh, there's, there is a, there's a huge question mark here, right? Because you mentioned how we have these skeletally identical humans, like um, anatomically modern humans, so people whose skeletons look like ours. And those show up around 200,000 BC. And then behaviorally modern humans show up, humans that, that act like us, that behave like us, that uh, decorate their bodies, bury their dead, that sort of thing, show up around 50,000 BC. You know, there's, there's this huge gap of what took us so long, what, what made us finally take that leap from anatomically modern to behaviorally modern. And we don't for sure know because it's very hard to test. None of these things fossilize <laughs> or are preserved. But one of the theories and one I go with in the book is uh, it was the invention of language. It was the invention of talking to each other that that let us make that leap forward, let us finally become fully human. Mm. And so that's the technology I would say it's the most important one for us, language, because it, it allows us to to have, not just to talk to each other, but to like have ideas that can survive the death of the host. <laughs> that's so important. Absolutely. <clears throat> language is definitely, definitely important. But But the supposition there is that somehow we had the capacity for it but didn't invent it for yeah. 150,000 years, right? Yeah. Um, but is it, there are other ways you might imagine it could have gone, right? It could be that most of us didn't have the capacity for it. And then a few brains, you know, mutated, evolved, or whatever, in, to develop an additional capacity, which allowed for the creation of it. Um, and, then, and then, of course, it would be a rapid selection effect. So you can imagine that after the capacity for language evolved, it might have been developed and then spread very rapidly. Sure, but that requires a uh, a change to the brain to sort of evolve in us. And without needing to suppose that, we can just suppose someone invented language. And then the question is, well, why, why did it take us so long? And language is a really hard thing to invent. Because imagine you're trying to, you have to be sort of this, uh, in my head I call him Caveman Einstein, who <laughs> has to not only come up with the idea of language, the idea of expressing thoughts in words, but instantiate that idea. And it's still completely useless unless you're also smart enough to teach someone else <laughs> how to use it all within a single lifetime. Like it's, it's not easy to be that first person who's coming up with the technology of language, who's inventing language. And I think you can point to that and say, yeah, that, that might take a long time to have all those things line up as they would need to be for this to have any practical use. Right. And I think it touches on this other issue, which is a lot of these foundational inventions, people who are listening might think, what? That's crazy. It's just so obvious. And oh, yeah. a lot of these things are so foundational. They've in, you know, they're deeply embedded in the way we think that it's impossible to imagine life without them, uh, which is why, frankly, they're so difficult to invent, right? I mean, yeah. because they completely transform the way you think and then become deeply ingrained in your thought process, it's hard to imagine how to get there when you don't have it. I spent years trying to picture thinking without words. Like, how do you... Well, I'm talking to two cartoonists here, right? You guys are experts at thinking without words, right? But we're, we're taking words and putting them into pictures, but it's still, you're, the process seems very, very language-based. Mm. But one, one of the examples I love touching on that is the idea of, if you have a time machine, 
you could take one of those children born 50,000 BCE, take them to the modern world, adopt them, raise them as a modern child, and they'll be like any other human on the planet. They'll, they'll be as smart and creative and clever and fun and loving as any other human because they're you know standing on the shoulders of giants. They're having 50,000 years worth of technological process for free. They get to have language. They get to learn how to read and write. They get to be in a community. And it seems almost like you're breaking a rule, right, to have this you know, literal cave person and have them be indistinguishable from a modern person just by changing the environment in which they're raised. But that's what that's what these inventions do for us, right? They change the nature of, of who and what we are in a way that makes it hard to imagine what it's like without it. And that's the kind of thing that makes me wonder what's in the future. Like, if there were in the past these sort of trivial but transformational inventions, math, language, etc., are there ones that remain? You know, will in 100,000 years people look back and think, how come Ryan North didn't think of, you know, blah, 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 some transformational but basic way of living and thinking that exploded our capacity for technology and life? I mean, do you think that there are those sort of transformations left? Yeah, I hope so. I mean, I believe so. One of the, the punchline of this is, you know, we could have meant all this stuff and we didn't. And look how blind we were not to see that. How could we have been so stupid? But if there are all these inventions and all these points in history, we can point that and say, yeah, we didn't see this until later. Um, it stands to reason that there may be that right now. There's probably still some of this, I call it the low-hanging fruit of civilization, that we could invent an art and just aren't seeing yet. And I think that's really optimistic. I don't think that makes us feel stupid. That makes us that makes me feel excited. Like that's what are we missing that's out there right now? There's still really cool stuff that we can all come up with. So is that your choice? Ryan, for the most important invention in human history, language? Yeah, um, I think it's foundational. I think it's consequential. I think it's transformational. And also, I'm kind of cheating because it's actually two inventions. I'm rolling reading and writing together into one there, oh. just calling it language. But so it's, how do you define language? You mean like the, the, the idea of words or just communicating? Because people, I'm sure, communicated with grunts or hand signals, right? Yeah, but that's not language. Um, so the example I would give is, let's say I draw um, three pictures. I draw a picture of a cool dog and a picture of a skateboard and a picture of a thumbs up. Mm-hmm. And those symbols can be interpreted. You can be like, oh, he's saying uh, a cool dog and a skateboard is good. <laughs> or maybe I'm saying I saw a cool dog and a skateboard and I gave it a thumbs up because I love cool dogs on skateboards. But there's there's ambiguity there. And what language is, is something that works to eliminate ambiguity. So when we're communicating now, because I'm using words with precise meanings, they're not perfect, but they try to be precise so that we can communicate quickly and clear without having to go back and clarify all the time. And so, yeah, you can communicate with grunts, you can communicate with hugs, you can communicate with longing glances across the dance floor, but for (laughs) precision communication, you need language. And that's that's what I'm calling the technology. So it's kind of like the idea of somebody at some point says, hey guys, this is crazy. We should have rules that define what those glances across the dance floors are. Yeah. 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 Okay. So it's the the invention of rules that everyone would agree to to communicate ideas. Yes, with an asterisk, because one of the, one of the craziest proofs I, I read when I was doing computational linguistics was this person was making the argument that one of the neat things about language that is almost unique is that it evolves so quickly. You look at the way English was spoken a hundred years ago; it already it sounds ancient or at least odd. You go back two, three, four, you go back to Shakespeare 400 years ago, and it's hard to understand, right? So why is it changed so quickly? Why is it, why it's based on rules, rules are what make language work. Clearly, why these rules seem to change so often, that seems like a failure. 
And the argument this paper was making, which I love, was that uh, the reason language evolves so quickly is because language is really hard to learn, which is true, but actually it's impossible to learn. And we never actually learn the language our parents are speaking. We learn an approximation of it that allows mm. us to communicate, but we, all the edges are fuzzy. And so since we have all these places where we don't actually know what the rule is, that allows language to change so quickly and to evolve generationally so fast, which mm. I, I love. I love the idea that, you know, language is not just hard, it's impossible. And you will never learn the language your parents are speaking. <laughs> just can't be done. Well, it's certainly true that parents just don't understand. So maybe that's the reason. <laughs> that's right. I forgot you're a computational linguist, right? That was your education. Yeah, I did, um, I did a master's in computational linguistics. Yeah. So that's a bit suspicious that a computational linguist thinks language is the greatest invention ever. You know, yeah, like, exactly. like me saying cartoons are the most important <laughs> invention ever. It's only a tiny bit self-centered. Also, it's a bit of a dark view because it suggests that the greatest accomplishment in human history is thousands of years ago, and we haven't really done anything since, which matches up. But we're still using it, right? Like, it's allowed us to do everything else. So that's that's why I say it's so it's so foundational is that it it is what unlocks everything. Because you can be the smartest person in the world without language, you're trapped in your own head, and you're having these amazing world changing thoughts and can't communicate them mm. in a way that's clear. You can't. You're not going to communicate. You know, relativity through grunts and glances. You need you need language for that. You need mathematics for that. So I think it's fascinating what you're saying because I was going to make exactly the same argument to make a different point. I was going to oh. use the same argument to suggest that math and science were the most important inventions in human history, but for exactly the same reasons. And this is from a scientist. To... <laughs> I feel like you guys are maybe a little biased in your selections here. I feel like until we had mathematics, all we had was language, which is frankly kind of clumsy when you want to um, it communicate very clearly and precisely. And I remember learning math and learning logic and feeling like, finally, here we have effectively a language for very clearly and precisely communicating ideas, ideas which are too fuzzy in English to communicate clearly. But is mathematical language just another language? Do you know what I mean? Like, is that a sub-invention of language? Uh, in the book, I cheat, because I'm saying now language is the most important invention. In the book, I actually give five. I say written language, spoken language, scientific method, calorie surplus, so again, having extra food so you can worry about other things and where your next meal is coming from. And the last one I call non-sucky numbers, which is basically a number system that permits mathematics to happen in, the, in a productive way. So one of the reasons the ancient Romans didn't get that far with math is they had these Roman numerals, which are just incredibly clumsy to operate with. You, you have to do math where you know what number you're looking at. So I'm not going to sit here and argue that math isn't important because I have I have it on paper. I think it is important, <laughs> but I will say, um, and this is maybe dodgy, but I personally, Ryan North, think that mathematics and correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like mathematics can be a creative expression in the same way that language can only with more rules. Is that wrong? Is that romanticizing it? Or am I incorrect? <laughs> the romanticization of mathematics. Wow. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure it's possible to romanticize math. No, I think that's fair. Um, and it, But I, I would also make a similar argument, you know, for science, like in terms of helping us develop technologies or helping us understand the world or communicating clearly with each other what we know and what we don't know. Um, it's am always amazing to me that it took so long for people to come up with a scientific method, you know, or even the, to come up with the idea of empiricism. Like, 
Mm -hmm. have an idea, let's actually check if it works before we accept it in the canon of ideas, right? Yeah. Um, You know, one of my favorite examples when I teach introductory physics is the comparison between Aristotelian physics and Galilean physics. You know, like Aristotle thousands of years ago said, oh, things just move because it's in the way of things to move. And Galileo was like, let's check. And turns out in an afternoon, he disproved all of Aristotle, right? And there's an example of somebody actually making huge progress in an afternoon based on a single simple idea. Mm -hmm. But why did it take thousands of years before people realized, wow, science is actually only useful when you compare it to what's actually happening in the real world? Um, But, you know, once you have that idea, of course, then you have this enormous flowering of technology and advancement. So it seems to me like, yeah, language is important, math is important, but in some sense, science is a really strong contender for the most important because it's we've had it the shortest amount of time, but it's led to perhaps the greatest transformations in you know the way we live. Well, here's an interesting question. Um, so you, Ryan, think language is the greatest invention ever. Uh, and Danny, you think math and science are the greatest inventions ever. Do you think that we're done? Like, Can you <laughs> foresee a possibility that there's an invention in our future that could maybe overtake these two things to be the greatest invention ever? So one of the reasons my book is structured the way it is, where it has this invention of time machines, and then you go back and you're doing time tourism and you get trapped in the past, is that I feel like if you invented time travel, (laughs) then Mm -hmm. you're done. That's the last invention that ever needs to be invented because any problem you encounter, you go to the future, see how they solved it, bring the solution back with you. The second you invent time travel, you've invented all other inventions it's possible for humans to invent. Boom, which proves that time time travel is impossible. Or it proves that that could be, that would surpass language and science in my estimation. (laughs) All other inventions en masse (laughs) beats everything else for sure. What do you think, Daniel? I think that for that to work, you'd have to invent time travel, which would violate causality, which is what you need in order to be able to steal inventions from the future that haven't been made yet, <laughs> which is basically just science fiction. And so, and we already invented that. So that's what I think about that. Wow. What, what, do, you, what do you think, Daniel, would be, what do you think could be something we might invent in the future that could totally revolutionize things even more? That's impossible to comprehend. Like I, you know, if I if I knew that, then I would invent it, right? All of these inventions, the really the transformational ones that, and, and I love the way Ryan pointed this out in this book. All these inventions, if you just knew what the invention was, then you have invented it, right? It's like uh, having the password, right? All you need to know is the password, and the door is open. Some of these inventions, like you know, steel. How do you, if, even if you went back and told somebody how to smelt steel, it's not like they could do that that afternoon. They have to build a whole industrial base, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But these really transformational ones, it's just knowing the idea is the invention. So, Jorge, it's not like I have the next human transformational invention already in my head and just haven't shared it with anybody. And I was waiting for this podcast to mm-hmm. reveal it. Um, but <laughs> if I did, I would totally roll it out right now. Can you imagine? <laughs> Let's take a quick break. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left, look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. 
There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The financial universe out there can seem like a vast place, full of scary mysteries and exciting possibilities. But it can also be overwhelming to navigate, especially when you're first starting out in life. It feels sometimes like just one wrong turn could send you hurtling endlessly towards a financial black hole. But don't worry, you don't have to navigate the financial universe on your own. With the right tools, you can master the financial universe and chart your course with confidence. Intuit helps you navigate the financial universe through products from Intuit like TurboTax, Credit Karma, QuickBooks, and MailChimp. Intuit is the financial platform that helps everyday people prosper. Whether you're trying to manage your money or trying to run a business, Intuit gives you the confidence to take control of your finances so you can live your best life. Intuit has helped a hundred million people live their best financial lives. Visit Intuit.com, I-N-T-U-I-T.com to start living yours. Let's get into it. You know that feeling after you've done a deep spring clean of your house when you realize, wow, how have I been living like this? It's kind of like how you feel when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless, while Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. Wow, how have I been affording all this? So it's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for $15 a month. Personally, I've used Mint Mobile, and the calls are always so crisp and so clear. All of their plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. So it's time to ditch your overpriced wireless and go with Mint Mobile's limited time deal for three months a premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash universe. That's mintmobile.com slash universe. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash universe. $45 upfront payment required equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Slower speeds above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. I also wonder, like, if you could go back in time and you're, you're talking to 50,000-year-old um, dude and you're, like, excited to share with them uh, the ideas you have and the technology that you can use to transform his and her world, I wonder if they might think, you know what, we're good. Like, uh, you know, <laughs> I, got, I got my um, roving mammals I can eat. You know, yeah. I, I hunter, I gather, I, you know, carve sticks every once in a while. We bang rocks together around the campfire. Life's not bad, you know? Yeah, that's a, that's the thing that we kind of forget is that in times of plenty, the hunting and gathering lifestyle is a fabulous lifestyle. <laughs> it's like you're lazing <laughs> around. It doesn't take all day to hunt and gather. You have lots of free time. Just chill out, do whatever you want. Food's plenty. Who would give that up? Farming sucks. Farming is <laughs> back-breaking labor in a field. Like it's, it's a lot of work. But what it gets you is reliable food so that when the times of plenty run out for hunting and gathering, you don't starve and suffer catastrophic population collapse because you have resources. You, you're in one place. You can build infrastructure. You can start building buildings that you don't have to pick up and carry with you. Like it's, it's where civilization begins when you, when you stop moving around every time things get hot. It gets hard. So 
yeah, I can I can see uh, if you arrive in a time where it's very easy to find food, it's going to be hard to convince people to join the farm and work for you or work with you. But um, one of the uh, arguments for that that I found was um, someone was pointing out that it's very hard to produce alcohol in a hunting and gathering lifestyle because <laughs> you're moving all the time. And so uh, if you want to have a beer, you need a civilization for that. And that might be one of the things that induces people to come and help out on the farm. Yeah, my my other fear for time traveling, Ryan, is that you go back in time with all these crazy ideas, you're just going to get branded a witch and killed. Like, you know, there's a sort of a social barrier to convincing people to join your let's transform humanity movement. But you're, you're right, maybe beer is the answer to that problem. Um, all right, I only have one more question for you, which is sort of a multiverse question. Sure. The, the, to me, the, um, the history of human invention seems sort of chaotic. You know, we, somebody had this idea, somebody had that idea, sort of came together here and there. Uh, have you thought about sort of the thousand parallel universes where you run the human experiment? Uh, and how many of them do you think we would end up after this amount of time at roughly the same place? Like, do we always end up stumbling into the same things in roughly the same order? Or are there these moments when human technology could have shifted dramatically and gone down a different path and become, um, you know, do, done things more rapidly? Do you think those thousand different parallel universes have similarities or are they all totally different? I think they have similarities, but I think they're they're markedly different. Like, when you have these huge expanses of time, which we could have met something and didn't, all you need is the, that one person to invent it. You remove Isaac Newton from our history, and we have a very different history of thought, of mathematics, right? Perhaps, but you know, maybe Leibniz would have invented everything Isaac Newton didn't think of, right? There could have just been like, it could have been an idea of the time that somebody was going to invent because the pieces were there. And that does show up. We look at the invention of radio, and there are a bunch of people independently coming up with radio at about the same time because the pieces were in place. There are certainly moments where sort of things are in the air and everyone's moving towards this, this one invention and radio is an example of that. But uh, there's other examples where it didn't have to be that way. Um, the stethoscope's a fun one. That's that's The first stethoscope was just a rolled up tube of paper to listen, to isolate and listen to a sound. And we had paper since 300 BCE. It was invented in 1816 CE by a, a male heterosexual doctor who had a busty female patient and didn't want to press his ear into her chest because that was too erotic an experience for him. So he rolled up a tube of paper to leave some room for Jesus and listened through that and accidentally discovered that this isolates and clarifies the sound. So that's one of the few examples I could find where someone actually progressed science by being too horny to do their job properly. <laughs> and that guy could have shown up at any point in history, right? Like that's And also it proves that, uh, that boobs are useful for something. <laughs> All right, Ryan, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much, Ryan, for entertaining all of our amateurish thoughts on a topic in which you are an expert. Thank you. I think they're great questions. I love talking about this stuff. I wrote a book about it. I love talking about it so much. <laughs> it's called How to Invent Everything, A Survival Guide for the Stranded Time Traveler. And you can get it at um, howtoinventeverything.com. Well, I think uh, that Ryan, who has a history of studying language, thinks that language is the most important thing invented in human history. And me as a scientist, I think math and science is the most important thing invented in human history. Yeah, I find that a little suspicious. Like you guys have <laughs> all these great reasons why your team should win. That's right. And, you know, there's a trend there because when I was asking people on the street what they thought the greatest invention in human history was, most of them talked about what they happen to have been reading. You know, so mm. students studying evolution said evolution, a student studying the Atomic theory said atomic theory. Uh, a student on a scooter said the wheel. <laughs> 
I think it's it's just a hard question to answer because it's so broad. Mm. And so people freeze up a little bit and then they think about it from their perspective. And there's a lesson there, you know, that we all see the world from our own perspective. Well, you know, it sort of happened to me too when I was asked this question, when I had to think about it, I just kind of looked around me, you know? Like I, I didn't think internally through the history of human civilization. I just kind of looked around me and I thought, try to think Banana. Like, what would be... <laughs> <laughs> you thought banana. banana. I could not live without bananas. Yeah. It's what makes everything else possible. Come on. <laughs> it's what got monkeys out of the trees, if you think about <laughs> it. Right. Or onto trees. Up into the trees, exactly. But yeah, you sort of have that instinct to look around you and to try to gauge impact that way. Like what all around me would not be here without, if it hadn't been invented. That's right. And I think the lessons there is that we can all see only a tiny bit of the fabric of human history, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's very difficult to say anything general because human history is this incredible mosaic of billions of people's experiences. And all we can do is speak for ourselves. I mean, I know historians try their best to weave these broader stories about what has happened in humanity. But I always feel like so much of actual human experience is just brushed under the rug when they try to do that. And so I think none of us can really speak for all of humanity. We can only speak for ourselves. What is the most important invention that is affecting your life? I think that's really the question of the podcast. Or, you know, maybe it points to the idea that the more you know about something, the more fascinating it becomes. Do you know what I mean? Like Ryan has studied linguistics for a long time. And so he just knows so much about it and how it's connected to everything. So from his point of view, it's like the most important thing. It's, it's the hub of all things. And like you've studied science and physics for a long time. And so you've seen how it's kind of sort of connected to everything else and how it's nothing would be possible without it. And so you see it as the most fascinating, most important thing. And so maybe it's just all sort of connected to itself. And it's just that the more you know about something, the more you think it's crucial to the structure of human history. So why didn't you argue for comics to be the most important invention in human <laughs> history since you spent 20 years studying it, right? I totally agree that things, as you study them, anything can become interesting. You can yeah. find a puzzle anywhere, yeah. right? Like you could go into a deep dive about like a, a cup, you know? Like if humans hadn't invented the cup, what would happen? There'd be a lot more injuries in baseball. Oh, wait, no, you're talking about a different kind of cup, sorry. <laughs> But you know, do you know what I mean? Like you could go in a deep dive on anything and, and see how it's all connected to the greatest moments in history and civilization, right? Like without a cup or uh, any kind of vessel to hold water, maybe we wouldn't, you know, been able to, you know, leave the watering hole and, and start building villages and things like that. All right. So maybe we should leave that as a challenge to our listeners. Choose some trivial item in human life and challenge us to spend an entire podcast drilling down and discovering what's fascinating about toenail clippers or glad wrap or whatever it is in your life. Send yeah. it to us at feedback at danielandjorge.com. Or uh, write us as at jockstrap at danielandjorge.com. <laughs> That's right. And thank you everyone for listening to this episode of Daniel and Jorge Explain the Universe. If you enjoyed it, uh, tune in next time or check out our book called We Have No Idea, An Illustrated Guide to the Unknown Universe. See you next time. Thanks for listening. If you still have a question after listening to all these explanations, please drop us a line. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Daniel and Jorge, that's one word, or email us at feedback at danielandjorge.com.
there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com.